Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion 9. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoop. Yo. And Johnson. It's a special guest bye week, Guido. It's a, it's a special guest bye week, Johnson, which, you know, the good thing about a bye week is you don't win, you don't lose. So, you know, it's it's kind of like there's no emotions this week. It's, it's, nice. uh, it's like a stress-free weekend for Mountaineer Nation, it feels like. <laughs> it a, well, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd go that far, but it's it's a little more, it's a little less stressful than yeah, what maybe the other weeks less, have been. Yeah, less stressful, maybe. So we're super excited to have from the smokingmusket.com Jake Lance joining us at WVU Night, N-I-T-E, at WVU Night on Twitter. Jake, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's good. We uh, we brought you on this week to maybe maybe you'll like help us level out a little bit about the goings on at the with the football program because I I will say that Scooty and Johnson and I are having a very difficult time emotionally the first half of the season and. You know, we're hoping that maybe you can bring us back to you know. What I'm hoping for is that Jake is going to either tell me to pack my stuff and continue climbing or to just stay at the base camp like just, I plan uh, to stay right keep now. Keep the so, coffee maker warm and just yeah, stay right at base camp. Right now I'm kind of at the base camp, so we're going to see what, what Jake says, and maybe I'll start packing my stuff up and, and start moving up the hill. Certainly. We can do that. Yeah, get started. Tell us, what are you think? What are you thinking about where we are right now, Jake? I, I think we're, we're sliding down a hill right now. Okay. Um, I kind of take it as, it's halftime of a Maryland game. You know, a few years ago, you're drunk, you're walking outside on the thing, you slip down the, the side of the stadium hill. You know, <laughs> you can still get back up, but it might be a little difficult. Right, right. You know, this is obviously not the way anybody wanted this this season to go. It's not the way the coaching staff wanted it to go. Um, you know, I think most expectations going into this year were seven to eight wins, and I think that was pretty reasonable, right? You, you had a year zero where – Three to four wins would have been probably good, and we we hit five. Last year with COVID, we hit six wins, made a bowl, beat Army, who is a very tough team, especially in a bowl game. You know, so you saw five wins, you saw six wins, you're starting to see progression. I think it was reasonable to say seven to eight wins this year. Was it reasonable? I I, I mean, I, I think in terms of the progression, yes, I, I think – there were issues with the team. There was the quarterback issue. There were, uh, you know, we lost things on defense. So I think you could make arguments both ways. But I think, you know, seven, eight wins in a bowl game were, were you know, logistically good good starting spots. Tough loss to Maryland. Um, you know, dominated LIU. You finally beat Virginia Tech. You get the Black Diamond Trophy back. Tough, you know, close loss to Oklahoma kind of flat loss to Texas Tech. And I think at that point you're going, hey, man, you know, a couple, couple plays here or there, we're talking 5-0. and oh. we're, we're talking 4-1, and one, right? You know, we're, we're, you know, narratives are a lot different when, when you're 4-1, and one. whether or not you blocked a field goal or the other team couldn't get out of its own way or whatever. 4-1 and one is, four, you know, 4-1 is good, right? And then comes Baylor, the – the team, the the defense kind of got out there and went, man, it's hot. Oh my God, this dude just ran by me. And then the <laughs> offense, you know, offense did its thing. It, it got a touchdown. And then then the defense kind of uh, 
you know, the defense just wasn't there that day and the offense just is not where it needs to be to, to keep up. Right. And it was just kind of one of those things where, you know, you start slipping down that hill and you're grabbing at things and, oh my gosh, I grabbed a tree and it was rotten and it, you know, and I fall off. Right. It was just one of those things where whatever you did didn't work. Um, so we're, we're not where we want to be. I, I, I think there are things we can do to fix it. Obviously, the, the biggest thing here is a quarterback change. Um, there's, I mean, there's not much else you can say other than Jarrett Dagey is a blue-collar guy. He's a hard worker, puts his head down. He does what he's asked. But is that enough? And, and I think it's, it's reasonable to say that it's not at this point. Unfortunately, it's just not. He's good at certain things, and those things are not going to – are not capable of, of, of producing wins right now. Yeah. Is Garrett Green capable of producing wins? I don't know, but we haven't seen enough to, to make that judgment, right? And the few things we've seen have suggested that the run game's better, the offense produces more yards per play, more point, more expected points per play. And I, I haven't published anything, but I went back and just kind of looked at it. And through Texas Tech, Jer Garrett Green was 56, 55, 56% on the success rate. So, you know, he was getting five yards of first down. He was getting three to four yards of second down. He was producing yards on third down. So there are things you can do. Uh, we've, we've still got, despite the Baylor game, you've got a really strong defense. And I think if the defense feels like the offense can pick it up from time to time, the defense can, you know, is, go it is going to show up. I mean, you don't play Oklahoma, whether or not, whatever your opinions are on Spencer Rattler, you don't play, you don't, keep them to 16 points if you're not good, right? You, you can do that kind of stuff. So we can get there. Uh, I think two and four probably puts us at a place where you're not going to get the seven to eight wins now. I mean, that that's to get to eight wins, you got to go six and oh, and that's just probably not going to happen. I mean, maybe Texas gets hit by a flood, Oklahoma State gets, you know, <laughs> COVID and, and, and you know, everybody – you know, gets the flu on, on the plane and we happen to just catch a bunch of breaks, but it's probably not happening. Right. I, maybe we can get to five wins. Maybe, may, maybe we can go five, you know, three and three down the stretch here. And you start looking at it and you go, Hey, we, we missed a bowl because we had a bad first half, but second half, we, you know, we lost games that are to better teams, but we were still close and we beat teams that we beat teams at home. And maybe we stole one on the road here. You know, we beat Kansas who we should beat. We beat Kansas state who we probably should beat. Maybe we steal, maybe, you know, maybe we go to Oklahoma State or we take Oklahoma State at home and we go ruin their season. You know, they're 6-0 and thinking about a Big 12 championship. Maybe we steal a win against them. And then they go lose to Oklahoma. You know, now all of a sudden they're 10-2 and and all of a sudden they're, they're going, what just happened to us? You know, maybe that, that becomes our season. And if it is, you go into next year going, hey, we can maybe finally build something. So I think there's a chance. I think expectations are – burst and people are disappointed but i think there's a path forward we just need to see if the coaching staff can do it yeah and and i think that's the, that's where the question goes jake because i think the season started off with all of us well maybe not the first game but by the second game you know after maybe by the third game against virginia tech we started going okay we want to see more garrett green and there was all this conversation about quarterback and quarterback play and then i feel now 
here we are a couple weeks later after the Baylor game, and the, the narrative has changed, and the narrative is now more about Neil Brown and Neil Brown's coaching decisions and Neil Brown's coaching staff. And, you know, you even heard it from a lot of people, like, after the Baylor loss, the postgame press conference wasn't super, you know, empathetic or apologetic to WVU fans. Like, and Scooty and I talked about it last week. Guido, I, I feel like Neil's kind of brought some of that on himself just in the tone of his postgame and his weekly uh, press conferences. He's kind of got like this defensive vibe about him when he when he has these press conferences. And I, I think because the results aren't bearing some of what he's kind of emitting or, uh, you know, giving out, I think we're, we're kind of like, well, wait a minute. Okay, you're saying this, but we're seeing that. So what's what's going on? Yeah, here? and it feels like that on Garrett Green too, wouldn't you say? I mean, we we hear these criticisms, and I and I agree with Jake. Like, I'm not saying that you switch this quarterback, you insert Garrett Green, all your all your answers fall into place. But it just seems weird that it takes on that tone of, you know, we've talked about how Garrett Green comes off the field sometimes, and and you know. Uh, the cameras will catch him just getting lambasted, you know, like as he's coming off the field, you don't really see that when QB one comes off the field. I don't, I don't feel no, like Daigie, Daigie comes off the field and you feel like uh, coach Brown's giving him hugs and then saying you did a good job and patting him on the back. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know about that, but you, you just would feel like it would be a little bit more 50 50. And then I think to scoots point, you get in the post game and you know, we like against Baylor, I really thought, I know it's late in the game. I know Baylor probably has a lot of, you know, twos and threes on the field by that time. But there was one play in particular, Scoot, I think you'll, I think you'll back me up here. You might remember, you know, Garrett's on the run. He gets flushed out of the pocket. He kind of floats one out. It's a nice play. It's a first down. Oh, it's about a 15, 16 pass. yard. Yeah. And we, we texted each other really quick. Like, I'm not sure that I see Jared Dagey make that play. You know, I, that's, that's great to see. That looks like progression. But then when you get in the post game, it seems like um, Garrett just gets a lot of doesn't doesn't do what I coach him to do. Doesn't, you know, uh, this this last time it was he's got to go through some progressions before he just freelances. You know, he tends to get he tends to get a, a good dose of criticism, it feels like he does. And, and I think that's where Neil has probably brought on the most criticism is when it feels like your head coach is coddling the guy who most people have already taken an offense to, you know, we, everyone's kind of already said, look, we, we knew coming in, Daigie wasn't great. You know, I, I've seen other people say, but you were clamoring for him, you know, over Austin Kendall. Yes. Austin Kendall was bad when he was here. I'm glad he's having a great season. You know, no, no, no disrespect to Austin. I, you know, I'm glad he's, he's doing great. Good to him. But Daigie was better in 2019. That doesn't mean that I can't recognize that Daigie, that Daigie is either not better than he was in 2019 or we don't potentially have a better option. So, um, you know, and, and I agree. You, you hear the things Neil says, and it's like, you know, he has to do X, Y, Z while standing on his tiptoes, balancing a plate, you know, and you're just kind of going, <laughs> you, 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 you aren't saying that about this guy. You know, I watched right. Jared Daigie nearly throw away our Virginia Tech game with a horrible interception. I watched him throw away the Maryland game with a horrible interception. You know, I, I see him, the minute he gets blasted, he, he reminds me of Derek Carr, who got just trucked, you know, behind a, an He holds off. the ball, yeah. He'll hold the ball forever. You know, you see those deer in the headlights, like, oh my God, I, you know, Phil Sims used to say seeing ghosts. You used to start seeing 14, 15, 16 people on the field when there weren't. 
and you're going, okay, well, wh why does Garrett Green have to do all of this stuff when Jarrett Dagey seems to get praised for getting knocked down and getting back up? You know, I'm, I'm, you know, Rocky's a great quote, but that's still a movie here. Let, let's be honest with, you've got a guy who does stuff. Why aren't you giving him the same things? And the only thing I can think of is Neil Brown has a system and he certainly wants things to be run in a certain way. And I, and to some extent, I, I agree with him, you know, as a coach, you want your guys, Hey, the, the read is this, you need to do one, two before you freelance. And, and that's probably true. I mean, I think Garrett Green probably does have a lot to learn. He's probably not a great passer. And I think if we get down a lot, you know, he probably is a guy who the minute he sees an, an opening or he feels pressure, he's going to tuck and run. And teams can game plan for that. But teams are already game planning for Der Jared Dagey. I mean, they already know that if they stack the box and put everybody within a 10-yard window, you've basically taken away 99% of our offense right, because we can't right. run and our only throw is a slant. Yeah. So <laughs> why, why, you know, no, that's right. Yeah. It's I true totally though. Agree. It's very true. Like, well, that's yeah. what I always say. Like what, what would, and I know Neil Brown always talks up these stats. He'll say, well, he was this and he was that, but I would love to see him say, well, yeah, he threw the 10 yard pass and then Winston Wright ran an additional 15 to 20 or Bryce Ford Wheaton caught the, the six yard pass and then ran for 35 because I think the yak is probably more so telling for the stats of Jared Deggie than the actual passing. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it certainly plays a part for sure. It absolutely is. I, you know, I think it was either Maryland or LIU and I don't remember which off the top of my head, you know, he had 250 ish yards. And I went back and looked, and like 160 of them were yak yards. He only threw the ball 100 yards in the air. And, and to me, you know, when I judge quarterbacks, I look at air yards per throw and yak yards. You know, Will Greer, and I think I wrote it at some point, was averaging like a 50-yard bomb per, you know, on his long throws. When he was making long plays, he was throwing the ball 50 yards. He would have one throw that went 50 yards, whether that was a screen plays that went 50 yards or he was throwing it to Davis Hill. Jarrett Dagey isn't, and that's that's an issue. And even worse, Jarrett Dagey's not throwing it over top of defenses. Mm -hmm. He's throwing it underneath. And you heard during the Oklahoma game, you know, Neil Brown said, we didn't break tackles. Well, if your offensive scheme is to break tackles, Oklahoma games are going to happen where a guy's going to catch 13 passes for 130 yards. Yeah. But everything's going to get tackled right then and there because if I sit right. back and tackle you as soon as you catch it, you can't do anything. Right. And, and I think Brown's different narratives on the quarterbacks and what you heard coming out of the offseason, you know, all we heard was Jared Dagey was so improved and the offensive line was improved and Jared Dagey's, you know, reduced his body fat and he, you know, he, he's the most improved player on the team. You built those expectations up as for us fans. You know, we're going, okay, I know what Letty Brown can do. And you're telling me Jared Dagey has improved more than Letty Brown. I know what Sam James can do. I saw him as a freshman catch 69 passes and almost break a thousand yards. I know what he can do. And you're telling me Jared Dagey has improved more than him. Now, why aren't I seeing it on the field? You know, if I'm not seeing it on the field because you were giving me coach speak, that's one thing, but that now allows me to question you in your press conferences when you won't criticize me. Right. Or the worst part is that it, it then makes me then question your judgment, which is where fans are starting to get of, okay, if you told me Jared Dagey was more improved and this is the improvement we're seeing, 
how can I trust you with this program? Yeah, right. And right. that's the issue that Brown's facing right now. Well, and that's what, that's what we saw on the Tuesday in the Tuesday press conference, which I'm sure you saw. Like Tuesday's press conference, he get he gets asked about the quarterbacks. He talks about how Daigie com- competed hard against Baylor. He he got hit hard and he made some you know, smart throw throwaway passes. And then some, and then he follows it up saying, "Well, Garrett Green may improve the running game, but he needs to learn what he's being coached, and he needs, you know." And I get it. I think what he was trying to say, and this was kind of the most pointed he had been about Green all along, which is they're telling Green it's a passing play, and Green's tucking it and running it. And I and I get that's what I got the feeling from the press conference. But I feel like he's at a point now in the quarterback play where you've got to go, you know, prove everybody else wrong. Like, put Green out there and prove us all wrong then, if that's the case. Because well, you're not going to a bowl game. You're not getting any, you know, you're, you're – I think your your chances – you're losing the fans. And, and Scooty and I have talked about this a million times, which is he's he's super folksy. And West Virginia people love folksy. Like, they love that. And they love the, you know, they love, like, we talked about the old Bill Stewart days with, like, hey, lads, let's go, and all of that stuff. They're, he's starting to lose us now because now he's starting to push back on everybody wants green, and he's still bought in on Daigie. And so he's starting to have this break of communication between him and the and the fans in general. And I can't imagine if that's, if that's happening with the fans – it's got to be happening in the locker room, too. I, w- I would think so. I mean, th- there has to be people in the locker room who are just saying, look, why am I, you know, fighting hard? Why, why am I running through a wall? Why am I straining and giving extra effort when it's not producing anything? Um, you know, I kind of knew two years ago that there were some issues in the locker room when I tweeted out a couple of plays where Sam James was like 10 yards past the Texas Tech defender. And I think all I tweeted was I showed a picture like James is on the 30, the defenders on like the 40. And I said, this did not result in a touchdown. And it got likes from a lot of people who probably shouldn't have liked it, you know, (laughs) media people and some other people. And I'm going, that's, that's interesting here. I haven't seen that. So I can't say that I've ever seen, you know, players or anybody, you know, like something where I went, that's, that's interesting. But I, I can't imagine that everyone on the team, everyone on the defense, everyone on you know special teams in the offensive line is going. We're getting beat up. The fans are booing. The, you know, you know, my mom's calling and saying, you know, they're saying this and that on, online, <laughs> yeah. and I'm willing to go out and you know break a finger or you know fight a guy across the line for this quarterback. Right. There, there, there has to be a disconnect, and, and I'm sure there is. Yeah, and do you think too? I I think the other thing I wanted to get your opinion on too, Jake, is it seems like speaking of things that I feel like uh, are going the wrong way. I, I don't you think it's interesting that it feels like some of the coaching staffs early I'm going to say like up through the Oklahoma game some of their strengths that we kept pointing out so you know like Scoot and Guido would call it you know we're following the, the early game script you know we'd come out we'd ever you know we would jump on people we go up on Virginia Tech I think 27-7 we you know we all enjoyed seeing a nine-minute drive to start the Oklahoma game you know we were seemingly coming out and having success you could tell schemes were working and, and you know I was kind of commending the coaching staff for coming out early in those games and 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 looking like they were really prepared and really you know I thought we had Oklahoma on their heels so I say all that to say now it feels like these last two games you know 
coming out feeling so lost. I, I almost feel like that early season strength is now giving people ammunition. Like, well, where did that go? Like now we're not even ready. You know, the, the, the dialogue seemed to change from, I, I know you wrote in some of your articles, like, I think we were the need to average more than a field goal per second half, you know, that kind of thing. Now, where we've done this like switcheroo where the early game now looks like we're not like, I think Texas tech and, and then followed up by Baylor calling a timeout first play of the game. You know, you just feel like, Whoa, guys, what's going on here? That early game script, man, we haven't, we haven't seen that now for, for two games. And it, it bothers me. I don't know if it bothers you guys, but it bothers me. I've talked to Johnson about this. We'll have Garrett green out there. We'll yank Garrett Green after three or four plays, and then we'll bring Jared Dagey in to hand the ball off to Letty Brown. Mm-hmm. Garrett Green couldn't <laughs> hand the ball yeah, off to Garrett, Letty Brown. Like, can't like, handle the I mean, he's not capable of doing that. And it's a, it's not even an RPO. It's just a straight handoff. Like, what? Why does Garrett Green have to come off the field for that? I don't understand. So some of that kind of stuff doesn't make sense to me. And we've talked, like Johnson said, about the script. And in the second half, you notice that the script wasn't as tight in the beginning of the season. Now. Like Johnson said, it's it's almost backwards. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, the script thing's really interesting to me because, you know, Maryland, and I always just kind of throw LIU out the door, yeah, Virginia Tech yeah. and Oklahoma, we had these great drives where we were mixing passes and runs. We were running inside, we were running outside, you know, and they were resulting in touchdowns. And we looked like, hey, we you know, we've got something going here. And then the rest of the first half, you're kind of going – Hey, where, where, where was that yeah. thing that we just did? Why did that work and, and why doesn't it work now? <laughs> right. You know, I know teams make adjustments, but it can't be you had it on beginner mode and all of a sudden you turned right. it on Heisman for the right. rest of the game, yeah, right? right. Like, like, what's going on? And then, like you said, then we come out in the second half. Hey, hey, oh, oh, great. You found, you found the playbook again. Great. And you're running stuff. And, but this time it results in a field goal. And like, okay, okay. Hey, we get, we we, get, we got points on the first try. Great. We're going to do it again because, you know, I, I, I like points. I mean, you know, it's exciting. <laughs> I, I like shooting the musket and, and, and doing all these things, right? And, and just what is going on? And and it felt like, and, and I don't like to make this accusation, but it felt almost like Neil Brown said, fine, you guys want points in the second half? Boom. We put all of our effort into the second half. Yeah, right. and, then, and then you got into the first half of Texas Tech and you went, no script in the first half. No script for you. And, and I hate to go back to Garrett, to Garrett Green, but, you know, that this is when I think he really started maybe to lose me was I looked at the first half of Texas Tech and I went, Garrett Green just produced one drive. You know, he had a false start on third and six that resulted in, in third and 11 or something like that. Or he had a false start, pushed him back, and then – he got bum rushed on the fourth and one and he yeah. rushed the throw and he missed it. That's and right. Yanked him off and you never put him in again. And right. I'm going, that's still one drive was better than everything we did. Yeah, you're right. And why does it feel like you're punishing him for being productive? And I, I, I don't have an answer for it. And, and, you know, Neil Brown really didn't have an answer for it. He's, you know, then he came out and said, well, Jared Day, he had a great second half. Yes, he did. But you know, you had plenty of time to put Garrett Green back in, in the first half and you never did. And, and, I think that's when fans really kind of started to really turn on him and start to, he started to lose them because now it felt like he was trying to produce a narrative with Daggy, you know, and fans were starting to see through it. You were starting to see that man behind the curtain. So to Jake, speak. I, I know this sounds premature. Do you think that some of this stuff has an effect on recruiting down the road? 
some of these things where maybe some high school guys are seeing I, I, this? I'm sure, I'm sure it does. I mean, I, I can't say. I mean, I, I think of myself, you know, I've got two boys, and I think, you know, I'm watching stuff, and, and you know, fans are fans. You, you can't really let fans dictate yourself when, when you're a recruit. But I, I can't see how at least parents aren't going, hey, do you see how this is going here? Like, you know, if you're committed, are you sure you're committed here? You know, he might be gone. The thing that I always heard about recruiting was, commit to the school, not to the coach, right? You know, right. fall in love with the school because the coach may not be there next year. He may not be there in two years for whatever reason, whether he's good or bad. If he's good, he might move on. If he's bad, he might be let go. Um, I, I don't think it has an effect on most of the recruits now. I think Neil Brown, to his credit, has done a really good job building relationships and, and has kind of gotten those kids to buy in. And, you know, and, and that's really my big concern going forward with this season is whether or not we make a bowl, I, I still would love to make a bowl and go four and two. I really want to hang on to this class because there are some special kids in it. And I think if Brown can write the ship in a manner that gets the fans on board and that there isn't a mutiny, you know, in the locker room and outside and all of that, in a couple of years, you've got kids who are capable of producing another great team at West yeah, Virginia. Right. And that's all we really want. I mean, yeah, I think I wrote right. last time was, I don't need a national championship. I would love one. You know, I'm kind of realistic about where West Virginia falls in the hierarchy of college football. But man, when we have special teams, I want to enjoy them. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed 2018 up through Oklahoma, you know, and after that, then all of that drama happened. But, you know, that season was fun for 10 plus games, yeah. right? You know, that was, and, and 2005 and 2006 and 2007, those games were fun. And that's what I want. I want to be able to, you know, night games and ranked and, you know, yeah. arguing with people we should be, you know, that right. we're not getting enough respect. Go into a game feeling like you got a good chance. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, right. you know, I, I don't think it has an effect on recruiting right now. I think it can have an effect on the next class. So right now we're in the 2022 cycle. I think 20, this can affect 2023. And, you know, that's the one where, hey, if you build off a good one and you have a good season, you know, those, these classes start building here. And we don't want to have the issue of you had a great class, but you only had one. Right. You know, we want to have consistent classes because that's yeah. how you get better. Sure. Well, and I think we saw it this week. I mean, and, and I'll say this, like, you know. There were a lot of there was a lot of talk about you know Middleton leaving, Kerry Martin Jr. leaving, KJ. Lee, you know there was a lot of that all over the internet, and people were like, oh, you know Neil Brown this, and he said this when he left, and there was a lot of loud noise <laughs> with with a lot of entities out there, you know, making accusations and throwing Neil Brown under the bus, and and I think what people need to remember too along the way is that. You know what? This is these are two kids, and these are two kids that didn't really see a ton of playing time once coming into the program. I mean, I know Kerry Martin Jr. played a, a decent amount last year, two years ago, because Kerry Martin, yeah, he right, he opted out last year. Yeah, yeah, and then I know that Middleton, you know, didn't really see a lot this year, especially the last three games. And then I, I think that if you heard it as an uprising from the whole team, that's one thing. But to say that Neil Brown is a bad coach because these two guys transfer out, I mean, that's part of what college football is now. Like, college football is about entering the transfer portal. A hundred percent. And, you know, it's not just a West Virginia problem. You know, right. Ohio State had a kid walk off the field in the middle of a game, tweet out, you know, I'm done. So this happens everywhere. It's not just a Neil Brown problem or a West Virginia problem. Um, you know, and then fortunately, you're going to have kids who 
were, you know, potentially promised. I don't want to say coaches promise playing time, but, you know, you know, hey, come in and compete. And if you're good enough, you know, you have a chance to start. We're going to give the best players a chance. Right. And, you know, maybe they felt like they weren't getting their chance or maybe they were realistic. I mean, you know, if you were a defensive lineman and you're looking up at Darius Stills, Dante Stills, right. and Mesador, right. you know, and you're going, my God, these guys are here for three more years. You know, am I, you know, my best bet is to be the, the third defensive or, you know, on the three deep for three years only to maybe play my senior year, you're probably going to look somewhere else. Right. And that's just an example, you know, so maybe there are kids who are just looking and taking stock of, Hey, you're bringing in some kids, you know, I'm behind already. I want, I want a chance to play. Maybe I already know I'm not going to the NFL. I mean, I, I think we're all semi-realistic about our expectations and our chances sometimes. And if you go, Hey, I'm not going to play in the NFL and I want to enjoy the next three or four years, I'm going to go somewhere else. And I don't fault those kids for wanting to play. So, yeah, I, I don't see any of the, the leavings um, as, as a Neil Brown problem or as a mutiny. Um, I mean, you had, you know, a couple of kids who were looking for who were who either felt they needed more playing time or, you know, didn't get along with the coaching staff or whatever and, and chose to, to exit. And I think, you know, if that's the case, you know, good luck to them. Hopefully that means that the team is better because now you don't have grumblings inside the locker room. Um, you know, and then the whole team can move forward. So, yeah, I don't really see any of the moving, you know, any of the kids leaving as a negative on, on Neil Brown or the coaching staff. Yeah, definitely. And and I will say this, though. You did mention in your most recent uh, post on SmokyMusket.com, so check it out, SmokyMusket.com. Jake's like, it's like the big post right now, what I think about the second half of the season. You did talk about back-to-back losing seasons. You talked about Neil Brown, and there was a Frank Signetti comparison there which for those of <laughs> you, us who you have do been not wv yeah i mean, want to be in that company really the us lifers that's kind of a painful comment to make uh compared to what he's uh, you know since then and uh you know i see what you're coming from you know jake but I, i'm like i said last week in the show i'm not ready to throw neil brown out with the bathwater yet I, I would agree and that was not my intention but I think it does need to be said, hey, you had a losing season your first year. You had a winning season your second year with the caveat that, that you didn't have to play two out-of-conference games plus an Oklahoma game. Right, so right. potentially you could have been, what, eight and five? Potentially you could have been under 500. And right now you're at two and four with six games to go, and the schedule's not easy going forward. I mean, it, there's – Every team but Kansas has a 500 or better record. So, you know, Signetti's not not a name you want to be associated with in, in West Virginia lore. Well, and maybe maybe Guido, we could kind of talk about that because Jake's right. I mean, that's a good segue to okay, you're two and four, but you now have six games ahead of you. What what can you make out of this six, out of these six games? What you know, can you make hay in three of these games? Uh, I think, unfortunately. Jake, it looks like the three winnable games are on the road. And I, I think it's just, I think it's tough to win on the road to, you know, to begin with. But I think for my money, those are the three games that, that I think are realistic for us. If we can get back on track that this, you know, this upcoming TCU and then the entire state of Kansas can maybe help us out down the stretch here. <laughs> Jake, I'm not sure if you're aware. However, I have predicted the outcomes correctly so far on the season oh here we go i had us at two and four at this point wow that's impressive he nailed it i i did predict a win against tcu so that's going to be your next win 
Okay. <laughs> so I'm just giving you that. You're just giving us the heads up or what? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I do think, I mean, Johnson, you're right in that, yeah, the three most winnable games are, are the road games, TCU, Kansas State, and Kansas. And I think, honestly, if, if I'm trying to, you know, assuage the, the fan base or, or get them back on the climb, which I, I don't like that saying, but, you know, get them back on board here. I think there, there's the, the aspect of, hey, I think the road games are winnable. You know, I, I don't think any of those teams are great. And I think there's still a chance, because we are West Virginia, um, that you can steal a game. And and I will say this. I continue to look at ESPN's FPI, Football Power Index. Okay. And Oklahoma State is 6-0. and Right. We are 2-4. and Oklahoma State, they have Oklahoma State at like a 54% chance of winning. What are, what am I missing that a six and zero team is not yeah, wow. like just a guaranteed win? Right, right, right. So right. you you beat TCU, you get a little momentum here. You're probably going to take a, a butt kicking against Iowa State, right? But maybe you come back here and you beat Oklahoma State, and then you go on the road and you beat Kansas State, and you know you probably lose at home to Texas, which stinks, and then you beat Kansas, and all of a sudden you go, man. You know, yeah, we took some butt kickings here, but we're six and six. Yeah. We're going to a bowl game. Right. I mean, you know, or even better, maybe we lose the Oklahoma State game and we just we we ruin Texas this season because we mess with Texas. Yeah, I'd be right? okay with that. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, if you go out and you you beat TCU and then you win your last three games to go to a bowl game, that's a lot of momentum. Yeah, you're right, and it's something that could then kind of jettison you forward into a positive. 2022 right i think that's where you're going it's like well, what because yep. the other thing that you mentioned uh on twitter the other day that i thought was interesting was then you're smack dab guess what you're you're pit and virginia tech in your first three games of 2022 so it could either go it could either rebound really nicely here or you could or you could really if there was anything left to anger the fan base is to take a nice big you know one or two law especially that first loss but two uh, two of those uh losses would would not endear you to a whole lot of people so uh, i'm i'm hoping i i like that sentiment i think um it would be wonderful if you could find yourself in bowl contention here at the end of the year i think we i think where we're at right now, you'd step back and say, man, I, you know, I got to give them credit. They kind of pulled it together and that's a positive outcome. Exactly. And, you know, and, and, and you're right. Uh, you know, looking at it, if, if for somehow you got to 500, you got to a bowl game, whatever happens in a bowl game, you got those extra practices. And that's always been my big thing with bowl games, three more weeks of practice. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. And you know, whatever changes you made, you got to, you got those extra practices. And if that somehow jettisoned you to, you know, a three and O start in 2022 where you beat Pitt, which the fan base will love and you beat Virginia tech to keep the black diamond trophy. And you now get to watch Twitter go West Virginia's held it for 2,525 days. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I can't tell you how much I watched that thing and just irrationally got mad, <laughs> you know, thinking about all the times, like thinking about 2017 and just like being at that game. <laughs> yeah. So, right. You know, if you build on that and, and you start out three and oh, you know, you have a great end of the season and you start out well next year, the fan base is coming back. It's all about wins. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if you can get there, the fan base will come back. That, that's what Neil Brown and the coaching staff obviously has to, to worry about here. The problem is 
what have we seen in these first six games that make us think we can get there, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I'm not That's sitting here right. watching Jared Daigie throw a slant over the middle and then miss a, a, a deep throw and give it to Letty Brown, who now runs into a pile of 10 guys right. and think we're going to go four and two down the yeah. stretch. No, so, that's right. you're right. Absolutely, right. <laughs> I hate to be a downer here, but that that's that's the the <laughs> that's reality. The issue. Yeah, that's reality. Right. I I mean, I think if you look at the schedule, I think there are there are the the games are winnable. You know, we're I I haven't looked at the defenses. I, Texas is obviously a tough team, and I don't think we have a very good chance. But I think we can we should be competitive. And if you're competitive, and and you know. Um, Chris Anderson over at at 24-7 had a thing that says basically for every five passes you defend, you should pick one off. And for every, you know, so many fumbles that you force, you should recover X. And the defense is not. They're at like a third of those numbers. Mm -hmm. So if that luck starts to change, if all of a sudden those passes defended start turning into interceptions and give us two to three more possessions, that's a start, you know, and maybe some of this bad luck and bad juju just starts to finally turn. And it could simply be, you know, one or two plays. I know you guys are sports guys and you all kind of know that one bounce where the ball just hit a rock and kicked up to you that it shouldn't have, but it did can sometimes be the difference in, in everything, right? You know, that one little momentum swing can be all it takes. And, you know, I look at the schedule and I go, yeah, you know, it's winnable. We can do it. If the coaching staff can make some changes and get us there, I think, you know, this season we'll all we'll all kind of push the first half behind us. We'll all be excited again, you know, because the fan base wants to be there. The fan base is, you know, the fan base loves this team. Yeah. And it doesn't take much for us to get excited right. about it. They want to be engaged. I mean, they. Yeah. It, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. And I think all the arguing that you see and all the um, animosity that you see from the from the fans to the coaching staff is is proof of that. Right. You know, we want a good team and we want to support you and we want to be that loud, raucous crowd at night. You know, cheering you on that that's rocking the stadium and causing the other team to burn timeouts because they don't know what's going on. So, you know, we want to do that, but you got to give us a reason. We're not we're not blind. We're not right. dumb. We're not stupid. We're not going to support a bad product. We'll follow your your slogan. As long as what you're saying starts to bear fruit, right? So if, exactly. if you're selling us to trust this climb, which is, I think, ridiculous because think of some of the major football programs in America. Ohio State does not have some sort of catchy slogan, you know, like uh, win for Jim Trestle or something. I don't, you know, they don't have anything <laughs> stupid like that. So why are we coming up with some sort of mantra? You went Jim Trestle there. All just right. win games. I, know. I like how you went Jim Trestle. Yeah, right. Just, just win right. games. We don't need some sort of catchy little you know, hashtag. Yeah, I, I will say, yeah, you know, we don't need a hashtag. And, and you know, the trust the climb kind of always felt like to me the, you know, this is going to take longer. I know it's going to <laughs> We're take We're going to suck for a while, so <laughs> hang with us. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and, and, and I got it. I knew why he had to do it, you know. Um, it wasn't something I needed to hear, but I understood why he was saying it. And, you know, it was kind of a, hey, guys, it might not be as great as you want it to be, but we'll get there. You know, but hey, it's it's year three, and I don't really care about COVID too much. It's year three. This is your third year here. I, everyone had to deal with different things. Every coach has had, you know, issues coming in, whether or not they took over a team late or a guy quit or they had an injury. You got to overcome that stuff, and and at some point, you like you said, you have to bear fruit. You you've got to show us some improvement here, 
Um, and, and the one thing that, you know, we all talk about the quarterbacks and we kind of talk about the defense, but the, the, the main problem with this team is the offensive line. And, you know, I don't want to talk about bad coaches, but how, how do we have all of this talent on the line and we can't do anything? And, and I think that's the biggest issue with the team. You know, Jarrett Day, he has issues. But my God, the dude's getting blasted, and he has no time to do anything. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, and you and you brought up Letty running into like ten guys. I mean that you know we're being facetious, but it's not far off. I mean I think of everyone. I I tend to start to feel sorry for him. Guido was saying the other day. I think last show we were talking about how you know a stat line for Letty lately is maybe fifty six, fifty nine yards, something right. like that. You know, and we and we know we know what he's capable of. It's just a, a shame. There there is just he no should room. Be the premier running back in the big 12 right there should be the premier running back there's just no room to operate right now there isn't you know and and i was i was talking to a friend and i asked him if wendell smallwood was a good comparison for letty because they both could run they both were physical enough and they both could catch out of the backfield so they they were able to be three down back and they both were number four (laughs) there you go (laughs) and you know i think back on wendell wendell smallwood and that dude had run you know, I yeah. mean, you think yeah. about the cactus ball and catching the ball and doing all these things. And other than the Virginia Tech 80 yard run, like I'm kind of going, where are Brown's highlights? Right. And, and they're just, you know, there's the Tennessee game and, and, you know, they're few and far between because like, you're right, it's 15 carries, 56 yards, you know, he's averaging three yards a pop and, you know, yeah, I feel, I feel for the dude. I mean, I think he's gone to the NFL or he should be because there's no point in staying in college, but you know, gosh, <laughs> you feel like 2,000 yards, you should have twice that. Yeah, right. Right. Completely. Well, Jake, thanks so much for joining us this week. Uh, people can find you online. You're on Twitter at WVU Knight, N-I-T-E, WVU Knight, and you're a Braves fan. So, you know, go uh, go Braves over Dodgers. You know, <laughs> yep. it's going to be tough. It might be a tough week for you, but, you know, we're, we're all It's going to be a you. good series. Hey, they stole one yesterday, no, so I don't know what's going on right now, but. Yeah, saw one yesterday, so we'll take it. And, of course, you guys can find Jake online. He writes articles daily, weekly, like multiple times a week for SmokingMusket.com. So definitely go to SmokingMusket.com and check out Jake's stuff. Jake, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Good, good, guys. Well, listen, WVU plays Saturday. It's a night game. Johnson's super happy. It's uh, Yeller Helmets, Johnson. Yeah, I mean, come on, guys. Just give me a traditional helmet for this one. Why do we got to go gold helmets? (laughs) There, Jake. Jake doesn't like the traditional either. I like the yellow. You know, uh, one of the things I do on the Smoky Musket is, is I write about our uh, weekly uniforms. And um, my favorite combination, especially when we go on the road, is the gold, the white, the gold. I call them the Appalachian Tigers. And God, they're, they're, they're great. I love the gold helmets. I mean, <laughs> my, my two favorite combos are, are the Appalachian Tigers and the banana suits. So you got to give me. Yeah. A oh, Jake, you're I like the banana me. suits. I like Jake, the banana you're killing suits. me. Don't tell these guys that. I'll never oh, hear yeah. the end of it. WVU plays Saturday night against TCU, seven thirty. That game is on ESPNU. Night game on ESPNU. So I guess that's exciting in a way. Uh, we're on the whatever fourth channel of ESPN, but we're at least playing at night. So you know, I can have a beer while I'm watching the game. So. Um, so definitely check that out. WVU versus TCU ESPNU 730 Saturday night. Well, listen, guys, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in a minute. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. 
Vortec Knives is a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in high-quality steel, fast-opening, everyday carrying knives. If you go to VortecKnives.com today and use the code G-Y-E-O, you get a 25% discount on your entire order. That's Vortec, V-O-R-T-E-K, Knives.com, a West Virginia-owned and operated company specializing in fast-opening, high-quality, everyday carry knives. Vortec Knives. Welcome back to Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoot and Johnson. And don't forget, you can find us online. Look for us on the social medias. You can search for us on Facebook, Got Your Ears On. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. That's where we hang out the most, Twitter, uh, at Got Your Ears. And uh, hey, listen, Scooty, if people are interested in being part of the show and sponsoring, they can do that, right? You, yes, you can be a part of the show. Uh, if you've got a business, a service, a uh, something you'd like to sell other than putting it on Facebook Marketplace, why don't you do that with us? We would love to sell your used weightlifting set. We would love to sell your uh, collection of baskets. So reach out to us. Call us. Text us. Slide into Johnson's DMs. Whatever you have to do, reach out to us. And what's our number, Guido? It's 304-518-GYEO. And we would love to have you sponsor a segment. You know, this could be uh, Bluff the Fluffs brought to you by Sally Mae's uh, old bicycle. Find her on Facebook Marketplace. We'll gladly yes. do a read for you. <laughs> Maybe send us your read on Twitter at Got Your Ears. Maybe we'll read it next week. You never know. I mean, it, it, crazier things have happened, right, right, Johnson? I mean, <laughs> Sally Mae needs to sell a bike, apparently, Scoot. So... Sally May, <laughs> like of all oh, the names, man. you went Sally May. I mean, come on, what's wrong Ridiculous. with her bike? I'm worried about her now. Hey, it's a maybe it's a nice bike. It could be a ten speed. I mean, we'll sell your ten speed Ooh, for you. Okay, just hit us up. All right, yeah, find us online. Right. All right. Well, listen, guys, I don't know if you know this. You could also sponsor, like, be a real sponsor, like if you have a business or something. You could also sponsor this segment because it is the number one game show on, a, on any WVU sports podcast. I mean, there's no game show on a WVU sports podcast that's ranked higher than this right. game show. Come right, on. guys? Yeah, right. That's correct. Yeah. It's a little game we like to call Bluff the Fluffs. And a crazy thing happened. We've never had this before. Right now, we are tied up 10-10 and one tie. We have a tie. Feels bad. I mean, how do you guys feel about that? Well, they know. you know what they say a tie is like, Johnson, don't you? No, I don't want. Okay, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious uh so anyways we tied last time but i spoke to our new head writer for bluff the fluffs and we now have a tiebreaker question all right Clone came through gave us a tiebreaker uh, well you question. know what i i expect nothing more clone dog's gonna he's a problem solver is what he is he is a problem so solver. yes all right and at I times mean, he is the problem yeah, uh, true, and he solves it. You he know? did ask for a raise this week, and Scooty granted him a raise, so no longer is he getting a cheese and pimento sandwich, Scooty. What what was the deal you ended up making with him this week? An oscillating fan. We've also thrown in an oscillating fan uh, in on the deal. Yeah, so he now, he now has an oscillating fan to then 
keep him cool while he's writing Bluff the Fluffs for us. So that's helpful for, for us and, and for him, and for too, him. I suppose. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he's a bit sweaty. Let's just be honest. <laughs> This week, Cloney hooked us up with uh, some good questions. Back to kind of sports-related, he has questions this week for us about ESPN College Game Day. Okay. Ooh. All right. I mean, you guys are fans. You watch You watch the College Game Day. You like the lead course sure. putting the head on his head. Yeah, you know? yeah sure. Yeah, come on. We're college football right. fans. That's yeah. what we do. Desmond Howard, sure. Herbie. So Yeah, right. Yeah. Fowler. Herbie. Right. So as we, as you guys know, a correct answer is worth five points. A steal is worth ten points, and final bluff is worth twenty-five points. Before we started, we had a uh, complete and total random computer program pick who gets to go first. And Scooty, you're Ooh, first this week. All again. right, that's good. Sounds good. Feels good. Th- this program it, it it tends to like you. Yes, <laughs> yes, it does. As the most. Uh, what the most handsome, technically sound oh. man in in Wetzel County? I mean, most computer <laughs> programs are going to like Scoot. That's right, technically the, sound. The that just cracks me up. Velvet fog, if you will. All right, Scooty. First question is to you. Here we go. Bino Cook, one of the original college game day commentators, got his nickname Bino this way. Was it a? by constantly eating three cans of beans a day for most of his adult life, B, by being extremely flatulent as a youth due to a rare skin condition, C, from a neighbor after moving from Boston as a child, or D, as the main character in the world's longest-running weekly-issued British comic, Beano? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, hmm. I am going to say, uh, I'm going to say, uh, the, the Boston childhood. I don't think that's right, but I'm going to say that. Ooh, okay. That's correct. Uh, neighbor after moving from Boston, uh, called him Bino because I guess Boston beans. I don't know. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. So congratulations, Scoots. Five points and the right answer there. Johnson, this next question is back to you. All right. This school's flag has seen over 200 straight college game day broadcasts since 2003. Is it Ohio State, Nebraska, Washington State, or the University of Miami? Washington State is what first jumped into my mind. I feel like that's prevalent every broadcast. I'm going to go Washington State. That's correct. Washington State flag has uh, been flown uh, every broadcast. Good job there. And uh, you get five points. So you guys are all now tied up. Kind of odd. Scoot, do you think there's like a group that just sort of, you know, there's like a consortium group of like six guys that thought it'd be funny at first and now like 200. Now they're like, oh, God. (laughs) Who's who's taking the flag this week? Who's got the flag this week? Uh, Yeah, what the heck? Oh. (laughs) Like they've missed weddings and skipped funerals to to carry the flag over to game day. I didn't know there were that many graduates from Washington State. That's what's crazy about it. So, All right, here we go, uh, Scooty. This next question is back to you. In what year did Lee Corso first don the mascot headgear to pick the winner of a game? Was it 1988, 1991, 1996, or 1999? That's a good question. It's a good question by Cloney the intern. Uh, I'm going to say 1996. That's what it feels like. 
That's correct. 1996, first time Ali Corso put the headgear on. Do we know so. what, what the first headgear was? Uh, I'm going to guess it was uh, Buckeye. Brutus just, the Buckeye. I'm just curious. It'd be... I, feel like, I feel like it's a lot of Buckeye. There's a lot of Buckeye headgear on, on Lee Corso. I agree. Okay. <laughs> I agree. All right, uh, Johnson, next question is back to you. A West Virginia University has appeared on College Game Day four times. How many of those times have they hosted? Is it zero, one, two, or three? Wow. I should know this. Um, let's see. Obviously, we know most recently was the, I think, 2014 we hosted TCU. Um, I'm trying desperately to think of other times. I'm going to say we have hosted two times, Guido. Yeah, two times, Johnson. Good job. Congratulations on that. And we're still all tied at 10 apiece. All right, Scooty, next question is back to you. College Game Day has never, has never visited this Power 5 conference school. Which one of these Power 5 conference schools have they never done a college game day at? Iowa State, North Carolina, Maryland, or Kentucky? Hmm. Well, I'm going to say Iowa State. They've not felt the magic of Hilton. Ooh. I'm sorry. That's incorrect. It was not. Uh, Johnson, for 10 points and the steal, was it North Carolina, Maryland, or Kentucky? Interesting. I, I would have thought Scoot was correct with that. I'm going to go with Kentucky. I'm sorry. That's incorrect as well. It was part of the trapezoid of evil. Maryland. Maryland. Oh, really? Yeah. The Terps have never. I felt like they had been to College Park or something. So the SVP like tie-in doesn't give them a little pull to get game day there maybe one time? I guess I... not. No. I guess not. So we're still tied 10 hmm. apiece here after uh, that non-answer by the two of you. And we go to the final question before final bluff. Johnson, this is to you. This school holds the record for the most college game days hosted at 19. Is it Army, Alabama, the Ohio State, or Texas? Oh, this is interesting. Hmm, 19, you said. 19 times this college has hosted. Ugh. I'm kind of inclined. I know game day has gone to Army-Navy before quite a few times um i'm going to say though i'm gonna say they've been in athens the most i'm gonna go with georgia uh well first georgia wasn't an option i thought you said texas <laughs> i thought you said texas georgia army and alabama army alabama the ohio state or texas oh, i'm sorry well, that changes can, my answer, can though. You, can you please keep can his first answer in? Wrong? Can you yeah, right? Can we just buzz him wrong on that one? Let me, I thought you said Georgia. I don't know. I guess I misheard you. All right. I'm going to go with... Well, you're wrong. Right. Whatever that was, that was wrong. I'm going to yeah. go with Texas. I, I'm i sorry. You're wrong there, Johnson. Uh, Scooty, for 10 points and the steal, was it Army, Alabama, or Ohio State? So here's, here's how I'm going to talk this through. So Army... They play every other year, right? I think they're not always at the same spot. So right. uh, 19 would be very tough to be at Army for 19 of those. Uh, Alabama 
while they're very dominant, they really hadn't been dominant prior to Nick Saban getting there. So I'm going to say Ohio State because Ohio State has been very good for a longer stretch of time. So Ohio State. And sometimes when Scoot has deductive reasoning, it actually pays off. So it's like you can see the wheels turn and you can hear the hamster going in his brain and it actually works. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm choosing an answer that wasn't even an answer <laughs> and then getting it wrong on the rebound. So Scoot, you're welcome that I could help out a little bit on that one. Thanks. You've eliminated two right, of the choices. Because right. <laughs> I was thinking about Athens, even though it wasn't an option. Even though it wasn't there. You yes, were also I was thinking, I was thinking about thinking, it. Yeah. I think it could be Georgia. Right, yeah. He didn't say that it was possible, but it might be. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, listen, it's time for Final Bluff. Right now, Scooty leads 20 to 10 over Johnson, but it's not over because Final Bluff is worth 25 points. As we do every week, we ask you guys to buzz in for Final Bluff. And Johnson, what's your buzzer this week? Smoking Musket. I like it. I like it. Smoking Musket, a little little nod to our guest, Jake Lance, from segment one. I appreciate that. And, Scoot, what do you got for a buzzer this week? Uh, Athens, Georgia. (laughs) Athens, Georgia. Okay. Uh, Not anything to do with anything, but that's good. All right, right, here we go. Final bluff. In 2009, college game day commentator Kirk Herbstreet made national headlines for this. Was it A, riding a unicycle from Ohio State to Michigan to raise awareness for juvenile diabetes, B, competing on the great British baking show C suing the IRS over tax deductions or D publicly condemning Obama's Iran nuclear policy smoking musket. All right, Johnson, what's your, first of all, it's nuclear, not nuclear. Nuclear. Listen, (laughs) Uh, from West Virginia. Give me, um, I'm going to say that, I don't remember. I don't know how I don't remember this, but I'm going to say that Scoot cooking shows, very popular, maybe. Does this have a chance, you think? I'm going to go he was on a British baking show. Ooh. Sorry, that's incorrect, Johnson. He did not bake cakes on the great British baking show. Man, I show. feel like he could have. Scooty, for 25 points and solidifying the win that you already have, was it riding a unicycle, suing the IRS, or not being happy with nuclear policies? <laughs> um, I pronounce it wrong. That's <laughs> tough. It's tough. I'm going to say, uh, say he sued the IRS. That's correct. Congratulations, Scooty. You get 25 points and you win 45 to 10 over Johnson Boom. this week. You almost bailered me this week, Scoot. You, Boom. You 45 to 10 to me. I couldn't even get the 20. You uh, chose not to go with the script the first That's half. That's right, and then I did. you decided to try to script it in the second half and it was too late. Right. Too little too late. Right, just yes. just like Waco, I was not prepared for this game. That's right. Tonight, you, you, you had tried to take a timeout. Right. In the first, yeah, I was the like, first what? Question. Yeah, right. And yeah, but then you then you were out of timeout, so you couldn't right. take any more timeouts. Right. So mess. No, that didn't work. It out was well. a mess. Yes, that's tough. Uh, congratulations, cute. You now take the lead in Bluff the Fluffs for 2021. You now lead 11 games to 10. That has to feel good. It does. It feels great. Um, I feel like I'm going to sleep better tonight. I'm going to eat better tomorrow, and um, I'm going to uh, 
help uh, underprivileged people and uh, elderly women cross the streets and uh, things of that nature, uh, in part because uh, I feel good about myself on Bluff the Fluffs. All right, look out. New That's Martinsville. true. Yeah, look out. Look lot out. Of, Preparation lot of is coming right, Scooty. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, listen, guys, uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with everybody's favorite segment, a segment where we let Scooty go off the rails. It's like a little segment we like to call, I can't believe my ears. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Got Your Ears On. Tactical Legion Knives, a West Virginia-owned and operated company that specializes in heavy-duty tactical knives and gear for the professional warrior, the weekend warrior, and the outdoor warrior. Our products are built tough. For who? For warriors. Hey, Mountaineer fans, make sure you go on Amazon and search Tactical Legion Knives. And when you do, make sure you put in the promo code 25TOBRADIO for Tob Radio you'll get 25% off on Tactical Legion Knives. All right, everybody, welcome back to Got Your Ears on Guido here along with Scoot and Johnson. And listen, don't forget, check out our website. It's the coolest website in the world. There's no website that's cooler. It's a little website we call GotYourEarsOn.com, Johnson, and there's a lot of things there. There are a lot of things there, including the latest show posted in blog form with all of our show notes, including links. So, like, if you heard us talk about something that you're interested in, there's probably a link for it there in the show notes. Check it out. And then you can also click through to the merch store. We're already hot on uh, getting our donation ready through our sales of the Pullover Guy shirt for the Hugs Fish Fry again this year. You can check that out. You can also click the tune-in link right in the sidebar and listen to the latest show. So it's all right there. Check it out. Yeah, check it out. GotYourEarsOn.com. Well, listen, guys, every week on the show, we sometimes pull Scooty in off the bench, much like Geno Smith in Seattle right now. Yeah, that's right. We let him throw a couple of uh, touchdown passes, maybe search the internet a little bit and find us something funny that we can talk about. It's a little segment we like to call, I can't believe my ears. What do you got for us this week, Scooty? Well, fellas, I was uh, doing some light reading the other day okay. and I came across this uh, story. Uh, do you guys, are you connected to your city governments? Are you familiar with what's going on in your city? I mean, yeah, yeah I, to be honest, you, well now with the Facebook, you got all these like town Facebook pages right. and there's a lot of city government information. I was going to say the that. same thing, Scoot. I feel like the, the, uh, as the kids say, the social media, it kind of clues you in a little bit these days on that stuff. So, uh, I was reading and, um, uh, I'm sure that this position, uh, is in most city governments, uh, across the country, maybe the world. Uh, Christchurch, New Zealand, if you're familiar with New Zealand. Okay. Are you? I mean, I know, I mean, it, exi- I know, I know it exists. Yes. Like they film, Lord, they film Lord of the Rings. Right. There, right I mean, that's the most important yeah. part. Christchurch uh, just recently fired their city's wizard. What? Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, um, they've announced that they're going to stop paying their official wizard <laughs> um, in December. All right. He makes roughly $10,000 a year, U.S., U.S. dollars. Wow, that feels like a good gig. Uh, That's a good wizard. That's a good gig. He's been the wizard since 1998. What? 
He's I mean, accumulated over three hundred and sixty eight thousand dollars for his wizardry. Wow. <laughs> That's like what what do you so Scoot, I I don't know what you do to get into this position, but what did what happened that he's been relieved of his wizarding duties? Do we know? Well, they, they felt that they wanted to move some of that money to a different uh different part of government. Oh, so I well, think that they were go. they were Oh, okay. Wanting yeah. to do some more with tourism, like but, um, helping the homeless yeah, people, like or, an actual yes. thing that exists, instead of paying the wizard. <laughs> what he had been doing was providing acts of wizardry. <laughs> like, what's that conver- What's that conversation right. like at the at the town meeting? You're like, guys, we have to vote on this budget right. line. Uh, do we give ten thousand dollars to You're the like, food uh, bank, or do we need to keep Bill the Wizard on? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like, look, I can't gas up the school buses and buy new tires because uh, Frank the Wizard, he's you know he's he's got the funds for that. Like, help me right. out here. So his his job includes providing acts of wizardry and other wizard-like services <laughs> okay. as part of the promotional work for the city of Christchurch. <laughs> wizard-like services? What is that? Um, Waving a foam sword around or what? The like, council what? said it was a, a difficult decision. Um, the city is changing and it would like to fund offerings that will increase, uh, increasingly reflect their diverse communities. Uh, the wizard, Ian, uh, Blackwell, no, I'm sorry. Ian Black, Brackenberry channel is his name. Do what now? <laughs> Wait, Ian Brackenberry channel is his name. Uh, he, uh, responded with saying that the city council has no imagination, and projects an image of bureaucrats drinking lattes on the boulevard. Like, as a wizard, when you get fired as the city wizard, like, are you starting to put, like, spells on the city council? Like, are you, like, you know... Uh, I mean, I don't know what his credentials are as far as being the wizard. Um, I mean... He has a beard. I guess does that make you like that step one in becoming a wizard? Does he have a does he have a pointy hat? He Is does. There uh, hat there's, there's pictures of the wizard from the nineties in, in a pointy hat. Are they afraid he's gonna do like a Wingardium Leviosa on them and just like mess them all up in the middle of a town hall or something? That was that Latin, Johnson? What were you saying there? I mean, it's a Harry Potter reference, but Yeah, I was gonna say, did he yell at all the muggles right. as he got fired? Did he call people <laughs> mudbloods or something? Like what was he doing? Uh, I don't know, but he does have a driver's license uh, that has the name The Wizard on it. Can we explore just as an aside here, Guido, for give me like 15 seconds. Just just humor, humor okay. me. Okay, Scooch, you have no idea what we're talking about, do you? Like, no. You talk Harry Potter. That's right. not my, yeah, that's you, not my like, wheelhouse. You, and by not your wheelhouse, you like literally you've never seen or read or d- anything around Harry Potter. That right? is correct. I, I am rooted in nonfiction. <laughs> I am I am rooted in nonfiction. Okay. I I do not have. Uh, you're not routed in nonfiction. You're rooted. You're not. Routed. I I don't even wear velvet. I don't know what that. I don't know what to do with that. But I don't know what that means. Either. I think I think Harry probably wears velvet. Somebody a wizard has to wear velvet. A wizard has to wear velvet. I think that's one of the criteria. Uh, I mean, I just I I would love it if we had a town wizard for my town. That would be amazing. That would be phenomenal. I'm just curious what wizarding acts justified this position, Scoot, for what did you say, like the last 22 years or something? Since 98. He's made $368,000 doing his wizardry. That's insane. 
That's crazy. That's an amazing gig. Yeah, that's a great gig. Now, granted, I don't know that 10000 will get you by. No, but, but you know, I mean. You're a part-time wizard on the side, right, the little side right. wizardry. Like, hey, you know, man, like how'd you, you get that car? Oh, yeah. that's, my si- that's my wizarding oh, money. That's, yeah, my, that's little... just my side hustle. That's my. <laughs> Do you think he drove a Dodge Spirit? That'd <laughs> <laughs> be great if he drove a Dodge Spirit. The only wizards can drive Dodge Spirits. Oh, <laughs> Slap that license plate on a Dodge Spirit. That's the right. wizard. Come on, man. The wizard. Like, oh. I haven't talked about a wizard this much since Ozzy Smith played. <laughs> <laughs> do you do backflips to shortstop? That's, I don't know. That's, that's the only wizard I acknowledge until now. <laughs> but come December, this guy is out. He's gone. But he said it's not going to stop him. He's still going to keep doing it. He said that, uh, that his last... He's going to keep wizarding on. Yeah, he said that... Uh, is um, every day the world gets more serious, so fun, uh, is the most powerful thing in the world right now, and that uh, they would, um, I will keep, I will still keep going, they will have to kill me to stop me. So he knows it's tongue-in-cheek, he, he's pretty much saying, like, look, I'm just trying to have fun. What I think is interesting is they were pretty much like, yep, we agree, and here's $10,000 a year to, like, go along with. That's still, fa- that's Jeez. fascinating. Like, show up at the town fair and right, do some wizarding. Yeah. And do you think, like, maybe he was an elected council member, and they're like, listen, this guy is so weird. What can we do where he feels like he's still in this council and has a role, but, you know, like, well, listen... I know it's not normally a paid thing, but how about $10,000? You be the wizard or whatever, you know, and uh, go do your thing over there. Walk around with a stick and and some sort of weird uh, horn with some sort of, I don't know if it's gunpowder or wizard stuff. This is my favorite stuff. part. Scoot has no idea what he's talking about, but he's describing the wizard. This is the best part. <laughs> <laughs> this is Scoot's go, rooted in nonfiction uh, description of a wizard. Go, go be Gangledorfer and do your thing. <laughs> Gangledorfer? <laughs> That's officially Scooty's. That's Scooty's wizard name from now on, Gangledorfer. Yes, that's his wizard name. Oh, Scoot. Well, thanks. I'm glad you found a good one this week for Can't Believe My Ears. It's always fun. Uh, listen, guys, a lot is happening with WVU sports over the next couple of weeks. Not only does WVU play Saturday against TCU, a night game, wearing the yellow helmets, as Johnson likes to call them. Uh, they're playing against TCU away, and that game is on ESPNU, which has none of us that excited because ESPNU is usually where the MAC plays in the AAC. Well, at least we get to watch it. WVU. Yeah, that is true. It's nationally televised-ish. Uh, so definitely check that out, WVU versus TCU on Saturday at 7.30 in the evening. Guys, also, just so you know, basketball is just around the yes. corner. The 29th, we play an exhibition game against Akron, that game against the Zips will be televised as well on ESPN Plus. So get your quarters out because you're going to have to pay to watch TV again because basketball season comes around and we get a lot of ESPN Plus games. But next week, boys, we're gonna we're gonna do our uh, official preseason WVU basketball talk next episode. Are you guys excited about that? 
I am excited about that. Yeah, I always like talking basketball. We're also slated to uh, do like a not-so-secret but secret scrimmage against Dayton in Columbus on the 23rd. So it's it's coming at us, Guido. Basketball is coming on pretty fast here. Yeah, I think there's a lot to talk about, a lot to unpack. There's a lot of pros and cons and goods and bads about this basketball team. And next week on the show, we'll start to unpack that. So make sure you... Hit that follow button. No longer subscribe if you look at uh, iTunes anymore. It's now follow. Uh, hit that follow button on iTunes. Find us on social media. Look for us on Instagram and Twitter at Got Your Ears. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search Got Your Ears on. And we have an awesome website that Johnson works his butt off on. Check it out, gotyourearson.com. Listen, guys, we'll be back next week with another show. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. <laughs>